Welcome, this is Anastasia Uglova for Cato Daily Podcast, Thursday, June 7th. Should patients be tested for the HIV virus as a standard part of diagnostic services, no less routine than taking a patient's weight, height, and temperature? On its face, it sounds like a good idea, and even a prudent one. But the legislation that might make such testing a reality may have a more sinister motive behind it. The Ryan White Grant Program requirements that states provide the names of actual HIV patients, not just anonymous numbers, to receive federal funding for state HIV-related programs. Director of Bioethics Studies Zigrid Fry-Revere contemplates the consequences of the bills now on the floor in several states in this podcast. What are the new HIV testing requirements that might go into effect in California, New York, and Illinois, I believe? Well, in all three of those states, they are considering mandating or creating HIV testing as routine. And what that means is that the tests would no longer require written informed consent and pre-test counseling. That seems like a pretty good idea to me. I think that you disagree. Yeah, that's not a very good idea at all because HIV is not like a cholesterol test or a blood pressure test. It's still a result. If you get an HIV positive result, there's a lot of stigma attached to that. And so people need to be counseled about how to react if they get an HIV positive test result. They also, by eliminating the counseling and the requirement for the doctor to discuss the HIV test with the patient, you lose an opportunity to talk to them about how to prevent HIV, how to stay negative if that's how the result comes back. But people can feel that their whole life is destroyed if they get an HIV positive result. And now they're just going to do it in a routine fashion and send the answer out in the mail and you know, not prepare people at all. People might have very negative reactions and, you know, clearly is something that people treat a lot more drastically than they might a cholesterol test result. You write in your op-ed in the San Francisco Chronicle that the only logical reason to eliminate counseling and written consent is a fear that the knowledge learned might dissuade patients from consenting in the first place. But it seems that the net effect of a legislation like this is that at least more people would know that need to know what their status is. Well, that's what it would seem like, but part of what's at issue here is what is the motivation of the legislators. Five years ago, six years ago, there was a huge push to create privacy laws to encourage people to get tested because the idea was if the testing is anonymous and your information is guarded so that your employer and your insurance company and your neighbors can't find out about it, then you would come in and the information would be yours and you'd get counseling and then you along with your doctor would decide what to do with that information. And now things are really changing, probably not because of a great desire to help people know what their status is because they want to test everyone between the ages of 9 and 64 or 13 and 64. But because under the federal government's new rules under the Ryan White Care Act, the CDC, which is the Center for Disease Control, is going to require the actual names of patients to be reported to the federal government so that the states can get money under the grant programs that they currently have now. So states are afraid that if they don't force people to get tested, they won't get those names and their funding will go down. And so that is what I think is really motivating these states to establish these routine 
testing programs where you don't have written informed consent and you don't have counseling and it's just like a blood test or a cholesterol test so that they can essentially trick people into being tested who otherwise might not. Okay, instead of tricking them, isn't it possible that during the medical examination the doctor would inform the person that there would be an HIV test involved, what the consequences of that are, and where the person might procure counseling? That certainly would be an option, but that's not what's being suggested. What's being suggested is that the test is one of many tests that are done when someone comes in for a regular checkup or when someone comes into the emergency room and maybe the test is mentioned that it's on there or maybe it's mentioned that they have the option of opting out of some of these tests if they want but that's where it ends. I mean there's no obligation to mention counseling or that counseling can be received somewhere else. There's no obligation to mention risks. One reason written informed consent was required in the earlier laws is that you get a whole page which mentions all the things you need to worry about. And without that written consent, you have one, no proof that you were ever informed about anything. And two, at least if someone read that form, they would know all the things or most of the things they would need to know to protect their privacy rights. And now there's absolutely no obligation to do any of that. What are the privacy consequences here then? Well, one of them, the possibility that an employer or an insurance company finds out and that you are discriminated against because you're HIV positive. There has been research done that whether true or not, there's a real perception in certain communities that being HIV tested creates discrimination in the healthcare setting. So if someone knows that you've been tested, whether you're positive or negative, they might make assumptions about what you are or what you have or what you don't have, and that certainly if you are HIV positive, that you're not going to get the care that you deserve. Also, one of the states that has gone to identifying patients by names had a fiasco late in 2005 where 6,500 names of HIV positive patients were sent out across the internet to 800 different emails. They claimed that the leak was contained among healthcare workers, but who knows? Who knows, you know, how many of those healthcare workers recognized the name of a neighbor and shared that with a spouse or a friend? The greater volume, the more routine you make this type of testing, the more chance that there is there's some kind of a slip, you know, that the results are left on someone's desk and a secretary sees them and talks to her husband about it, or a healthcare worker leaves them out and someone signing in at the doctor's office sees them. So the more of a volume you have and the more routine something like that is treated, the more chance there is that someone's privacy is going to be violated, which wouldn't be a problem if HIV weren't such a stigma. And that's why it needs to be treated differently. People don't get upset if their cholesterol is high and they don't care if their neighbors know or not. But a lot can go wrong if someone knows what your HIV status is. But is it fair to weigh the consequences of the loss of privacy with uh, the consequences of inadvertently spreading HIV, not knowing one's status? 
It seems like it wouldn't be, and I think I agree to some extent, but one of the problems is that you don't know that a policy like this will actually cause fewer people to spread HIV than not having the policy. Why five years ago did they go to the trouble of passing laws to create privacy protections, and now they're taking those protections away, claiming that the privacy protections aren't needed anymore? When the real motivation is to get more federal dollars, it's not to get more test results necessarily of people who are HIV positive, because what you end up testing is a lot of people who aren't HIV positive. If you automatically test everyone, how do we know how many people are out there who are HIV positive and haven't been tested under existing system? We don't know. And do you think that those people are necessarily going to come in even for routine care? If they were shy about coming in to begin with and we needed privacy protections to get them to come in, they're not going to be any more likely to come in when they're promised that their names are going to be known by all sorts of people if they are positive. So in other words, for all we know, the net result will be fewer people knowing what their HIV status is rather than more. And it also creates a situation where insurance companies and potentially individuals are paying for unnecessary tests, and they also run the risk of the false positives and how people are going to react to those. Interestingly enough, one of the mandates being considered is that all pregnant women coming into a hospital or receiving prenatal care be tested for HIV. And that's one group that has a much higher rate of false positives because of the immunities you create when you're pregnant. So you imagine being pregnant and getting HIV tested and then you have this high rate of a false positive. Imagine the stress that those women would go through. And they're not going to counsel them about it before they do the test. It just seems to me that it's highly unnecessary and that it's really a violation of the whole patient-physician relationship and the notion of informed consent, and it's going to create mistrust of the medical profession, it's going to create mistrust of the government, and the net result might be, might be a little more money for the individual states because they'll have plenty of false positives to report to the federal government, but not a net result of more people with HIV being treated, and certainly not being treated more like human beings which is one of the big problems with HIV, is that the people being tested or who are HIV positive feel demoralized and feel like they're not being treated by the medical profession as human beings. And counseling, people talking to us, is one of the things that helps us understand what's going on with our bodies. And to make it totally routine and to treat people like cattle, essentially, checking everyone one after another for blood tests is dehumanizing, and particularly for those who might actually need to be tested. Thank you so much, Zigrid. And thanks for listening to Cato Daily Podcast. For more information, please visit our website, www.cato.org.